Hey. Hi. Welcome to Crime and Time on the Rocks. Yay. So I'm excited about this cocktail. I am too. I, it is I know so I say that like pretty. every other cocktail. You kind of do, yeah. And yeah. you say it's pretty every other time. <laughs> we are predictable. People like that. They want to make, you know, it's a regular format. It's predictable. Yes. It's like, um, what do they call TV shows that are like... Formulaic? That no. sounds bad. Okay. I don't know what. I can't remember. I'll think of it. Okay. So, but this cocktail's different. It is. So this cocktail came from um, a Facebook thing that went crazy recently. Tell us about it. So this is The Clint. The Clint. I love micro. Um, So we found this cocktail via a micro post that went viral. And it's, so he... um, posted about a book written by a former U.S. Secret Service agent. First name was Clint. I can't recall his last name. Um, it was. Oh, you have the post. I have the post, yes. His name is Clint, blah, blah, blah. Clint Hill. Clint Hill. And so he is retired now from the Secret Service, but he wrote a book. It got really popular. Micro yes. promoted it. It was called five presidents. But the interesting thing about Clint Hill is that he has his own drink called the Clint and he has a business card with the ingredients <laughs> on it. So when he goes to bars, he can hand it out. We need business cards with a drink on we them. We do need business cards. We have with business a drink cards on. with our podcast on them, but I need a business card with a drink on it. Um, so my er, Clint served under five presidents. He started with Eisenhower and he was actually assigned to Jackie Kennedy um, when President Kenny was assassinated and he threw himself across her after the shots. So here's the drink. The Clint is two shots of Campari. Which is what gives it the pretty, pretty color. Yes. A shot of vodka, slice of an orange, and then soda water. And you put that in a tall glass with ice. Yes. So we put ours in my grandmother's glasses that she registered for her for her 1930-something wedding. They're this beautiful, just a really dainty, dainty glass. It's a highball style glass with gold flake on the bottom. And I wanted to use these because even though they were made in the 30s, they look to me very 1960s. They do. So I thought in honor of Clint and Jackie, we would have pretty 1960s style glasses. And neither of us have tried this. No, and I'm super excited too. Okay, let's try it. Okay. Oh, it's way different than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It tastes like cough medicine. Tastes like a Christmas tree with cough medicine poured over it. I'm sad. I thought I was gonna love it. I did too. Ugh. No, it's yeah. That's cough medicine. I'm sorry, Clint. You're an awesome dude. Your drink, Matt. The Clint is not for the Crime and Time on the Rocks crew. Yeah. I'm so sad. sad. I'm super sad. I really. I thought liked this it. was maybe going to be one of my new drinks. Uh huh. It's beautiful. I mean, I would like to look at that when I drink, but it's not good. I'm gonna take one last. It tastes exactly sure. like if you could put in a food processor a Christmas tree that is adorned with cranberries. Okay, but I like cranberry. That's not cranberry. It's not. But That's... I mean, like raw cranberry. This is. Um, Okay, I know what this is. This is if you took your codeine cough syrup and you mixed it with soda water and like really diluted it with soda water and added a little vodka, I think. Because it's not sweet like the codeine, but it's bad. 
don't don't recommend unless you really like this is i thought it would be good because it said it's bitter and we usually like you know we're towards the bitter side on mm. our palate away from the sweet yeah i'm sorry clint you are an awesome dude but i'm not in love with your drink yeah this is a hard pass for me on a second yeah. one okay Okay, so what are you going to tell me about that has something to do with Clint? <laughs> okay, so I sort of went for the, well, I originally went for the obvious and was going to talk about the Clinton Lewinsky situation that happened in the 90s when we were becoming young people. Um, at the time that that happened, I was, and I recently just watched a special on it, and so there was a lot of things that I hadn't. Remembered. Remembered and realized, etc. Um, and I did come away with a different understanding of Ms. Lewinsky. I saw something recently too. Um, I think it actually was a Nancy Grace little podcast uh-huh. short that I listened to with Monica. And I'm like, I forgot like how young you are when you're yeah. that age. Yes. I was, they, they, they played a lot of the tapes. That, yes. Yes. Um, she and Linda were talking about and just the things that she was, was saying. I was just like, I... Or when she tells myself when she tells President Clinton, "I love you, butthead." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and some of the things that she was saying to Linda Tripp were just like, you know, I just don't think I can breathe without him. I remember being that dumb. Yeah, I mean, if I can use that term. So, because we were closer to that age when it happened. Yes, and so I didn't see it. I was just and now being twice her age or whatever the exact figures figure out to be I'm like oh the poor child yeah I can see it now at the time I was just like well duh he's the president and old and married why are you whining about this but yeah. and and I don't think also I don't think we were given that information at the time at the time she was completely vilified mm-hmm. just absolutely vilified I mean now they're more putting her as um not a victim but more in a, in a um, different light, I'll say. Yeah. But anyway, so I watched that. And when I when we were originally going through it, too, I was teaching at a um, Catholic junior high school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the things that, like, were being said on the news. And I'm going to talk more about that later. But anyway, so I originally was going to tell you about that. So I thought that I would start out with a little bit about... President Clinton when he was a young boy and then a little bit about Monica when she was a young girl. And then I read about President Clinton's family and I took a left turn and went down a rabbit hole. Okay. I don't know much other than, you know, some highlights that we all know. Okay. I'm, I'm a little worried that if I tell this story, Secret Service might come knock on my door and put a bullet in my head. I don't know. It's, Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. It's dangerous. <laughs> it's we, dangerous. We've been dangerous before. I mean, we got censored by MI6. <laughs> so We got censored by MI6, and we also exposed a Putin murder. We you did. Like, folks. We, that one I'm actually the most worried about. <laughs> you know, this drink does taste a little odd. Maybe he got into my vodka. Maybe this isn't vodka. What is, I mean. Could it be gin? It's not gin. Okay. It's for sure not gin. Because mm. you like gin. Did I ever tell you the story about the gin drink that I'm the only person in the world that's ever drank? Is this the one where you wanted the special gin from Washington? No. This is where I was in South Lake Tahoe. Okay. At a restaurant and I ordered a Sailor Jerry and Coke, which is a rum and Coke. But, yes. you know, Sailor Jerry brand. Yes. And... 
they brought me the drink and I drink it and I'm like, this is the worst. This is terrible. I'm like, I thought maybe something was wrong with their Coke. It uh -huh. was, I just sucked it down. I'm like not having any more. And I mean, when you're in Lake Tahoe, you're usually there to have fun. Right. So normally I wouldn't have said no to a second drink, but this time I was like, N heck no. <laughs> you could have ordered something else, you know, you have uh, well. I just thought something like, like was bad, like with their lines or, you know, the soda or whatever. Yeah. So I said no. So we get the bill and I look and I was served a gin and Coke. That's disgusting. Not Who only, would even put that together? First of all, why didn't the bartender question it? Although... In my cocktail days, I served a vodka and Coke, which to me sounds nasty ass, too. Secondly, I drank well gin and Coke. I never drink well gin. I drink good gin when yes, I drink gin. Yes, well, you should. So I'm pretty sure I'm the only person in the whole white world that's ever had a gin and Coke. That is not a drink. It's not a drink. So you have to be the only person who's ever drank. It's like when your children were talking earlier about <laughs> mixing up weird things and making their friends drink it. Many of the items in my refrigerator have numbers on them because they used to roll a dice and pick a number and they had to pick three items and mix those together and then force their friends to drink them and videotape it. Well, film it on their phones, but yeah. Yeah, that's gross. The, yeah, gross. <laughs> okay. So anyway, back to Bill. So I went down this rabbit hole and a left turn. Bill Clinton or um, William Jefferson Blythe the third was born on August 19th, 1946. His parents were Virginia Dell Cassidy and William Jefferson Blythe Jr. They were married on September 4th, 1943. Okay. Remember that date. Um, but soon it was discovered that the marriage wasn't legal because they hadn't prop he hadn't Blythe had not properly divorced his third wife. Okay. So, uh, I do not know if Virginia found out that she was a bigamist prior to the tragedy that later befell Blythe or not. But anyway, we'll come back to that. It circles back around. So, I, and then I literally wrote, now I want to talk about him for a minute. So, Blythe Jr. was born to Blythe Sr. and his wife, Lou Ayers, on... Um, February 27th, 1918. He was one of nine children. He eventually passed away of drowning in a car accident when he was only, drowning in a car accident when he was only 28. I will tell you more about the car accident later, but let me tell you, he packed full them 28 years. It sounds like it, because I mean, we're talking four wives. He packed full <laughs> them 28 years. I read somewhere where he had seven children, but I don't, I did not find that again. Um, I got most of this sadly from Wikipedia, Britannica, and the New York Times. So his first marriage was to a woman named Virginia Gash, and they got married in December of 1935, and they got divorced only 13 months later with no children. So, she moves to California, and she marries one guy, and then she divorces him, and then she marries another guy, Charles Ritson-Hayler. And she stayed with Charles Ritson-Hayler for a while. He eventually, well, um, she stayed friends with Blythe, and they would visit each other every now and again. Mm -hmm. So, about 18 months after they got a divorce, along comes Henry Leon Blythe. Interesting. Yes. Henry Leon Blythe was born in Texas on June 17th, 1938, to obviously this Virginia Gash and 
William Jefferson Blythe Jr. He is William Jefferson is listed as the birth on the birth certificate of Leon, he which he went, later went by. But his parents lost touch shortly after that, and she, I don't know if she married Ritz Inhaler after that, or if she was married to Ritz Inhaler when all this happened, but he eventually took the name Ritz Inhaler, and he grew up in California, and he later moved to a tiny little town called Paradise. Really? And he ran a whole bunch of businesses in Paradise. Oh my goodness. Leon Ritz Inhaler. Um, they had a, he had no idea that he had a half-brother even in politics, let alone the president ever no he did find out later so it during the presidential campaign in 1992 the washington post turned up this birth record and this washington post article was um very life-changing for several people (laughs) found out they had long lost i imagine yes (laughs) because the story happens again but anyway so ritz inhaler sees this and he's contacted by the new york times he's like oh my god do you know that you have president so there was a article in the new york times in 1996 where they actually interviewed some people at the 49er cafe in paradise okay and this one waitress they gave her name but i'm not going to give her name you know because who knows and she was quoted as saying everybody knew him as leon and she was quoted as saying he's always bragging about being related to the president who cares anyway if you were bill clinton's brother why would you admit that to the newspaper (laughs) Which seems like a very 1996 paradise, small town thing to say. Yes, small town. Yeah, so yeah. I just thought that was interesting given, um, you know, what recently happened in the world that he, his, he actually has an obituary that was posted in the paradise, or printed in the paradise post. Oh, okay. Interesting. I didn't read it, but he ran several businesses there and he lived there all of his life. So he did get to visit Clinton at the White House and Clinton did say when he was asked about him right after this post article came out that he says i'm not going to comment on this i don't know this man i don't know what his life is like and i don't want to upheaval it so he was being gracious i mean he was being gracious about it but he did eventually meet his brother and they were amazed by the um resemblance of them huh i didn't really see it in the pictures but then i was looking at pictures of ratzenberger in his 80s and i guess yeah that's true maybe if i looked up a modern picture of clinton now in his like 70s early 70s i don't know how early is he's older now yeah there might be more of a thing so anyway back to Blythe. so he marries and divorces leon's mother and after he married leon's mother or divorced leon's mother he briefly married her sister minnie fagash oh no (laughs) he and minnie have no children they were married in december of 1940 and sadly, that marriage was annulled just four months later in April of 1941. They had no kids. So his marriage to Minnie was annulled in April. In Yes, in April of 1941. On May 3rd of 1941, okay. he marries a woman named Juanetta Ellen Alexander. So he waited a few days. <laughs> it's like one or two. He marries Juanetta Ellen Alexander... And then eight days after the wedding, Juanetta gives birth <laughs> to Blythe's daughter. Is that the normal gestational period for a human baby? No, it is not. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we should not be laughing at this. Um, <laughs> so, um, Blythe's daughter was born on May 11th, 1941. 
Sharon Lee Blythe is her name. She later married a man named Pettijohn. Um, apparently, she had been conceived somewhere between the Gash sisters. Okay. You know. Okay. Marry one sister, divorce that sister, have a baby with her later. Then I think I'm going to go and pregnant this other girl. Then I'm going to marry this sister. I think that might just be a nice way to say they, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyhow, she, blah, blah, between the Gash sisters wedding to her father. So she found out that she was related to the president. This is um, Sharon Lee. When she's sitting at home with her husband, Mr. Pettijohn, and her mother, and they're watching TV, they're watching an article about the same Washington, or she's about the same Washington Post story, and on the television, they flashed a picture of Blythe as Bill Clinton's um, biological father. And the old woman, which was her name, Juanetta, Juanetta says, I would swear on a stack of Bibles that that was the man that I was married to. And that's a quote from um, she, it, it's, Bob Pettijohn. She wasn't married to him long enough to be sure. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's a quote from Bob Pettijohn, who is Sharon's daughter or husband. Now, I do not know if Sharon and President Clinton ever met. It didn't say anywhere in any of the articles that I read. So um, after he's married to Juanetta, he... I don't know why he and um, Juanetta don't stay together. But if we go back and we remember that Blythe married Virginia, Bill Clinton's mother, on September 4th, 1943. He and Juanetta, however, were not divorced until a final court appearance on April 13th, 1944. Ooh. Hmm. So... There's no, Cassidy Bill's mom, Bill Clinton's mother, was Blyther. They're quote-unquote married. And I do not, like I said, I don't know if she knew that it was bigamy or not. She gets pregnant with Bill, and life is all just fine as far as I could, you know, read. So the court order to finalize the divorce was on April 13th, 1944, which is over a year after he married Bill's mother. Yes. Yes. So... Cassidy, or not, yeah, Cassidy, which is her last name, is pregnant with William Jefferson Blythe III. And however, on May 17, 1946, her husband, William Blef Jefferson Blythe Jr., is killed in a tragic auto accident. He was a traveling salesman and he was driving down um, Route 60 in his 1942 Buick and a tire blew out. He was thrown from the crash. He survived the crash. But he was thrown into a drainage ditch with three feet of water, and there was evidence of him trying to climb out, but he was unable to pull himself out of the drainage ditch, and he fell in and uh, drowned. I know. That's horrible. So sad. So now his widow, Virginia, um, and she has her baby three months later. So here she is, a single mom with this little baby, and she names him William Jefferson Blythe III after her deceased, quote, husband. Shortly after he was born, she went to New Orleans to study nursing, and she left him with her parents. They ran a, like, grocery-type store. She returned back in 1950, so he was born in 46, so he's four. She comes back in 1950, and she married a car dealership owner named Roger Clinton. Bill immediately started using his dad's last name because he was only four, but he wasn't formally adopted until says 1950, but I know that was not the date. It was much later than that. 
I think he was like in his teens when he was formally adopted. Okay. Anyway, so he has a step, he has been quoted as saying that his stepdad was an abusive alcoholic who used to beat his mother and his half-brother, and Bill would have to step in as the older brother, who was probably bigger than, well, obviously bigger than the little brother. Um, he went to school in Hot Springs, which was their home. He was very involved in high school, um, very involved high school student. He was a saxophone player. He was the first chair in this, I mean, this kid, as, I, as I'm reading this, I'm like, he was a remarkable kid. I mean, he eventually became president, so... Yes, but not only... I mean, he was just... He was a remarkable kid. He did so much. So he was a the first chair in the state band. Um, he considered music as a career, but he knew... This is kind of a quote. He knew he would only be good. He considered medicine as a career, but he knew he would only be good. So according to his autobiography, My Life, he says, but I knew that I could be great in public service. So he decided to go into law in high school. He was in a, see, this is the kind of teacher I want to be. So he was in, involved in a mock trial to defend the Roman Senator Catiline, C-A-T-I-L-I-N-E. Not personally heard of that Roman Senator, but anyway, he needed to be defended from something. And so they did a mock trial defending him in his Latin class. And in, he won. He was the defense attorney and he won. And he, um, decided at that point that he wanted to go into law. So that's the kind of teacher I want to be that like inspires her students to not become Serial a saxophone player, but <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. To do something great. So he starts out, um, he claims later that he had two major defo- defining moments in his life. And the first one occurred in 1963 when he met president John F. Kennedy at the white house on a trip to the white house when he was in boys nation. I've heard of boys and girls state, I've never heard of Boys and Girls Nation. Have you? No, I haven't. So it's got to be more prestigious than Boys and Girls State, I would think. I don't know. I have no or idea. Or maybe it's just different schools go to different things. Perhaps. Or maybe it changed over time. It could have changed over know. time. But anyway, still pretty darn impressive. So, um, yeah, so he meets that. And then the other thing was watching Martin Luther King Jr. give his speech on television. Um, his grandparents had a reputation in their small grocery store of giving in the 40s in Arkansas, of giving credit to credit and service to all races equally. So that kind of influenced him. Um, He went to the School of Foreign Service at Georgetown in Washington, D.C., earned his Bachelor's of Science in Foreign Studies in 1968. While he was there, he was elected class president in both 1964 and 1965. After graduating from Georgetown, he went to Oxford, to become a rogue scholar. Rogue no big scholar. deal. No big deal. No, no big deal. Just Oxford. Um, he did change his program there, and he didn't receive his degree from Oxford. This drink is bad. I'm sorry. I just have the aftertaste in my brain, in my mouth. It does have an aftertaste as I take another sip. So anyway, he, he switched programs while he was there. I didn't really understand why. He left Oxford. He didn't get his stick. He didn't finish Oxford. He left. I mean lame and the only reason he left was because he got an offer to go to yale law school whatever um so he transferred he came back to the u.s and went to yale he earned his law degree from yale in 1973 while he was there he He met met the love of his life of his life oh my gosh as we say with the smirk (laughs) oh we're going to be killed the love of his life a young lady named hillary rodham um, and she was in the class ahead of him. They'd only been dating for a month 
when he decided that he's going to follow her to California. She's got some internship or something there. And he, rather than pursue his summer plans of working, being a coordinator for the George McGovern 1972 presidential campaign, he is still in law school and he has a, a job, a summer job to coordinate a presidential campaign. Mm hmm. But I'm going to go ha shack up with this girl in California. I think it turned out all right. Yeah, I'm sure he turned out fine, but I'm just like, dang, man. So they came back from California and they continued their cohabitation. He and Hillary moved to Texas and later on in 1972, so they weren't in California very long. Later on in 1972, he worked on the McGovern campaign there in Texas. He worked with some guy named Ron Kirk, who was the future two-time mayor of Dallas. A woman named Ann Richards, who didn't do much. She just became the Texas governor. And, and this, she owned the Texas Rangers too, right? Did she? I don't know. I maybe. So. I thought... Um, the Bushes own the Rangers. It's like one of those things. That pre, pre or post, I'm pretty sure. No, the Bushes own the Astros, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Baseball. And then this other guy who, you know, he went on to like direct a few things. Steven Spielberg. I'm not sure if I'm familiar with his work. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> um, so he and um, Rodham get married. Clinton and Rodham get married on October 11th, 1975. And on February 27th, 1980, they have their only child, Chelsea. Um, when Clinton graduates school, he goes straight into teaching. He became a law professor and taught at the University of Arkansas shortly after graduating Yale. In 1974, he ran for the House of Representatives and he lost. This may have been the first time that he lost anything in his entire life. Shortly after that, he ran for attorney general with no opposition in the main election and barely any in the primary. He won. In 1978, he entered the governor race. And at 31 was the youngest candidate ever. At 32 was the youngest governor ever. And in 1980, when he was beat, he was the youngest ex-governor ever. <laughs> <laughs> and he brags about it. He's like, I'm the youngest ex-governor in U.S. history. That's actually kind of funny. It is kind of funny. Um, he was reelected in 1982 and served as the Arkansas governor for 10 years. Then there's all kinds of that stuff that happened there, you know. Um, he started to make a bigger name for himself in the Democratic Party in the early 90s and was elected to the presidency in 1993. He held that office for two terms from 1993 to 2001. He was president over the longest period of economic expansion, peacetime economic expansion in U.S. history. And the budget had a, the budget office had a surplus for the years 1988, 1989, and 2000. And then, you know, there was that other thing. You mean the Monica. The Monica. Well, not only the Monica, but the others, because they all just came out yeah. of the woodwork after that, after she started take, being taken seriously. Well, I shouldn't say she being taken seriously, because it was... After she was, she exposed his. Yes. And there was the proof with the phone calls from Linda Tripp, who, by the way, worst best friend ever. Right. Yeah. Just that, that was the other thing that I took away from that special was the fact that she was cruel. Almost. Here, this young woman, she's an older woman. She's like our age now, then. And this young woman is coming to her with this problem and advice. And she doesn't like help steer her on the right path. She records it. Well, not excusing that because I'm not. But I guarantee you that Monica probably thought Linda's great. Linda is my friend. Da -da -da -da. Yes. And Linda probably was like, ah, Monica. I have to deal with this little twerp. Yeah. But that whole scandal, that whole thing. And, and then he was impeached with for the lying and the thing. And 
But that whole thing changed the way our news was reported. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have like Walter Cronkite saying things like oral sex on the, on the news, on the nightly news. It was crazy. And I almost wonder how much of our insane 24 hour news cycle, crazy, you know, say anything, shock value, yellow journalism stuff is stemming from that and coming from that. I mean, I know they had yellow journalism before, but I know, but in conjunction with the fact that if you remember the first Gulf war, Uh which was during president Clinton's, I remember that moment. I was walking down the church at the Catholic school and the the principal was behind me and she said, we just did whatever it was, whether we flew there, you know, declared or whatever. And I remember both of us thinking, I'm probably going to steal your thunder. Is this real or is this just a way to get the newspaper talking about something else? No, I was super sick during that entire war because it was like 30 something days long. Uh So I was home a lot and there was nothing else to watch on TV. Oh, okay. So I watched almost that whole entire Mm -hmm. war as I drifted in and out of consciousness. Yeah. Poor thing. I know. I would like lay on the couch and because it's, it was really weird. Where were you when you were, were you in New York? I was in high school. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. So I I think it was my junior year of high school. And so I would be laying on the couch and, you know, like the, it was just on. That's, there was nothing else on. And, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, Scud missiles, da, 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 da. And then I kind of fall asleep and then I wake up and like, there'd be like this other thing going on, or maybe it was the same thing. Uh And it was just really odd because that had never happened before. Like it was just, you had your nightly newscast Uh and that was it. Unless it was like a really extreme event, but not for like 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, my memory of that is really, like, imprinted, but also really vague because I don't have a good timeline for what happened. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it just seems like it, cha- it was a turning point. But I think those two things, point. because, so you have the Gulf War, then you have the Lewinsky scandal. Those two things kind of created what the 24-hour news cycle is today. That we have now, yeah. Interesting. But so I I fully intended to sit here and talk to you about the Lewinsky scandal and all the different historical things behind it. And then I just, I found out about Blythe and Blythe was just too rich. It was just too much. I had to talk about him. So what do you have for me? So I was thinking about Clint Hill being a secret service agent Uh and some of the things that, which is super, super cool. And I'm so grateful that he did that, but I still like his dream. Yeah. So some of the things that, Secret Service have to do when they're tasked with presidential protection. I can't even imagine. And what I ended up looking up were unsuccessful assassination attempts on the president. Fun! Because we know a lot about successful ones because they're very, you know, Uh publicized and like very, they're big deals. But so this is kind of a rundown in um, chronological order. So the first one was January 30th, 1835, and this was on Andrew Jackson. Okay. So he was outside the Capitol building, and a house painter named Richard Lawrence attempted to shoot Jackson with two pistols. Both of them misfired. Those are crazy odds. Yeah. So then Jackson beat Lawrence severely with his cane. See, President Jackson, was he the one who had the party in the White House? I mean, I can imagine. I, I think I don't, it was him I don't that have had that the here. party in the White House. He yeah. was the war hero, right? 
He's on the $20 bill. Yeah, but I think he was the war hero, and that's why he was elected, and the, like the White House, it became like this rowdy thing. I used to listen to this podcast um, called The Thomas Jefferson Hour. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, you told me about that. Yeah, and he would often, as Thomas Jefferson, complain about Jackson. I think it is him. He, right after he was elected, he had a party on the White House, and they like took the windows off the hinges. People could just go in and out through the windows. They ha- It was bad. I'm not a presidential <laughs> scholar, so... Well, darn it, why not? I know. So anyway, Lawrence was taken into custody. He was found after he's beaten up by the president. Yeah, he was found not guilty by reason of insanity. He was confined to a mental institution, and he stayed there until he died in 1861. There seems to be a lot of people who attempt to assassinate the president who are crazy. There's so many. So okay, next president that had an attempt on his life, Abraham Lincoln. Not talking about the successful one, right? So this one was in February 23rd, 1861. There was a plot to kill Lincoln on his route to the inauguration. So the plot is known as the Baltimore plot. Lincoln at that time was being protected by Alan Pinkerton's National Detective Agency. Right, because the Secret Service hadn't been invented yet, correct? No Secret Service at this time. So, But there still is a debate as to whether the plot at this inauguration actually was real. But it could have been like just to promote pinkerton's agency yeah so that's all i have on that one but then marketing even then yeah then in 1864 in august a lone rifle shot missed lincoln's head by inches as he was riding near the white house on a horse so he had multiple assassination attempts yes oh this one's confirmed not like the other one which may not have been wow so there was a sentry on duty private john nichols of the pennsylvania 150th volunteer he heard the rifle shot, and then he saw the president moments later riding toward him bareheaded. So They shot his hat They his shot his hat off his head. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, it's not funny. It's horrifying. It's horrifying, but it's also <laughs> kind of cool. the hat off his head, yeah. That's how close... William Tell. Yeah, that's how close that attempt came to... Dang. Do you ever think about what would have happened, like, had, had that been successful... You know, like, just the tiniest little thing in history changes mm-hmm. and how everything would have changed. I know, because that was 1864. Whoa, the so, world would be a different whole, place. Probably so. Oh, my goodness. That would be a good book for people that are into writing long chapter books. I'm not, so. I would like to, but I have no time. You have no time. I have no time. Okay, next is William Howard Taft. Uh-huh. So, in 1909... Taft and Mexican President Porfirio Diaz had a summit planned. And this was going to be taking place in El Paso, Texas, and Ciudad Juarez, which are kind of like the same city, just separated by a by border. By the border. Okay. Yeah. So both sides agreed that the Chamizal Strip, which was a disputed territory between El Paso and Juarez, would be um, considered neutral and there would be no flags flying for either country during the summit. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. So unfortunately, having the summit at all focused a lot more attention on this disputed territory. Yeah. And there were multiple assassination threats and a whole bunch of other serious security concerns during this summit. Probably for both presidents. For both presidents, yeah. So the Texas Rangers were deployed. There were 4,000 U.S. and Mexican troops the U.S. Secret Service, the FBI, and the U.S. Marshals were all called to provide security. Wow. So it was like a lockdown, loctite 
Yeah. Summit. You can't throw a dead cat without hitting a law enforcement no. guy. Then. I bet they were all handsome. No, they weren't all. There's no, no way. Yeah, that's true. That's a lot of people. I don't know. So, <laughs> then on October 16th, the day of the summit, a man was discovered to be concealing a pistol in his palm, and he was standing along the procession route. He was huh. captured just a few feet away from Taft and Diaz. Wow. I wonder which one he was there to assassinate. Don't know. Because he wouldn't say, probably. So, yeah, I don't have any more information on that. I just thought it was interesting because these two presidents go to meet, and it already is blowing up into this huge security thing. And yeah. Then, yeah. Someone tries to get in, but unsuccessfully. Well, that's good. If I can say that I have a favorite unsuccessful assassination attempt, this one's mine. Okay. This one you're going to tell me about now? Yes. Okay. So this is October 14th, 1912, and this was on Theodore Roosevelt. So Stud of the presidency yeah, right so there. Theodore Roosevelt in 1912 had been out of the presidency for three and a half years, but he was running for president again as a member of as the Progressive Party. Yeah. So he was campaigning in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he was shot in the chest with a 38 cal- caliber revolver. I'm going to second that. I've heard of this. Yes. This is my favorite presidential assassination attempt as well. This is rad. (laughs) Because he's just a badass. So the shooter was John Fleming Schrank. He was a New York saloon keeper, and he'd been stalking President Roosevelt for weeks. So luckily, the bullet was slowed by the glasses that Roosevelt had in his pocket and a folded over copy of Roosevelt's campaign speech. And how many pages was that campaign speech? It was like 30 pages long. (laughs) So it was like a 30-page folded up piece of, like, probably... Reasonably nice paper. Yeah. Like, definitely not like our chintzy paper we use today right. of recycled material. And from everything that I've heard about different... I mean, I, we obviously can't hear Roosevelt's voice, but I've heard that it was kind of reedy, reedy and so, not squeaky, but high-pitched-ish. Which does not look like it fits his body. No. But can you imagine listening to a 30-page speech? Oh, it's probably brilliant. It was probably brilliant. Probably was. So anyway, um, Shrank was immediately captured. And Roosevelt concluded that he wasn't seriously injured because he wasn't coughing blood. So he's like, I'm just going to continue on with my speech. Okay. I'm going to give it. That's a man. Yeah. He declined to go to the hospital. And he gave his 90-minute speech... And by the end of his speech, he had blood completely seeping through his shirt. Wow. So you're sitting there watching the president give a speech, and you notice that there's a stain on his shirt. And it's growing. (laughs) And it's growing. Wow. So then the doctors, after once they were finally able to examine him, I guess it was just millimeters from like his heart or an artery or something that would have instantly killed him. Oh, my God. Gosh. Yeah. If he moved the wrong way. Right. And yeah, so that was a very, very close successful attempt. Teddy Roosevelt is just the bomb. I know. They wouldn't even let you do that nowadays. Like they wouldn't. Oh, hell no. You'd be down. Yeah. And off. Um, Totally off topic ish. I have a teddy bear in my classroom that has, um, it's called the Ted E. Bear. And it is Teddy Roosevelt. Like, it's a teddy bear dress. Oh, like Teddy yeah. Roosevelt that Cute. I got from the um, Teddy Roosevelt restaurant in Yellowstone. So, also, here's another potential attempt that I kind of like. It's not, like, at that same status, but uh-huh. this was on Herbert Hoover. Okay. 
So November 19th, 1928. I'm hearing the Annie song in my head. <laughs> Hoover was president-elect, and he was on a 10-nation goodwill tour of Central and South America. Uh-huh. So he's in Chile. They're crossing the Andes, and there was an assassination attempt by Argentine anarchists, and luckily it was thwarted. So the group, the anarchists, had planned to blow up Hoover's train as it crossed the Argentinian plain. I think I've heard of this. This is, I'll get to the good part, which is why you may remember it, because it rang, rang a bell for me. I could be deja vuing about Queen Elizabeth, too, though. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So the bomber was arrested before he could place the explosives on the rails, but he did have explosives with him and was going to make this attempt. Uh-huh. So this is the part I like. So Hoover seemed pretty unconcerned. The next day, he tore off the front page of the newspaper, and his wife's name is Lou. And uh-huh. so then he explained... It's just as well that Lou shouldn't see it. <laughs> and We don't want to worry the wife. So again, his quote made the newspapers, and everybody <laughs> in Argentina and the United States all thought this was just, like, wonderful, how he handled it. He's being very sweet to his bride. Let's yeah. not upset her with news of my attempted assassination. Yes. <laughs> That's hysterical. So now we're talking about the other Roosevelt, Franklin Delano. Okay. Somebody tried to kill him too? Yes. So this was on February 15th. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt you. There's a lot of attempted assassinations. Oh yeah. Like this must happen rather frequently. Once I started getting into this, I'm like, there's so many of these that it's like a regular, I mean, we have the secret service and thank goodness for it, but they really seriously have a job to do each and every day. They're earning their dough. Yeah. Dang. No wonder he drinks the clint. I know. So, on February 15th, 1933, in Miami, a guy named Giuseppe Zingaya fired five shots at FDR 17 days before FDR's inauguration. Giuseppe did not wound FDR, but he did wound five other people, and he killed Chicago Mayor Anton Cormick. Okay, that's not cool. Yeah. You just happen to be standing by the president like the biggest honor of your life and a bullet takes you out. Right. Just for standing there. So Giuseppe was found guilty of murder and he was executed on March 20th of 1933. Okay. Mind you, the attempt took place on February 15th of 1933. That's fast. Really fast. For a death penalty. Yeah. Fast. Like less than a month or just a little over a month. Although Blythe could be married and divorced by then. That's true. And have a baby. (laughs) In between all of that. So one theory about this particular assassination is that it may have been ordered by Al Capone from prison. No freaking way. Yeah. That's crazy. So that, obviously, there's no way to confirm that anymore. Yeah. But a lot of people believe that. And then here's another. um, That's cool. This is a little. Not cool. Not really a whole entire story of an assassination attempt, Uh but um, also about FDR. Soviet authorities have claimed to have discovered a German plot to assassinate FDR at the Tehran conference in 1943. But I don't have anything more on that. Just well, little, that would make sense, though, at the time. Yeah, a little asterisk in the attempted assassination thing. I'm curious if you get the one, got the one that I listened to a podcast on um, from the dollop a while ago. I don't know. Well, we'll get there. Okay. You're only at FDR. You got a ways to go. I have a ways to go. Harry Truman. Okay. So summer of 19- Because apparently there's an assassination attempt at every single president. Pretty much. So how many more do we have to go? <laughs> Quite a few. We're talking 1980s. So summer of 1947, <laughs> a number of letter bombs were sent to the president and high-ranking staff members at the White House. Letter bombs in 1947? Yes. 
So the Secret Service... Okay, who is this again? Harry Truman. Truman, okay. So Clint's not on the job yet. Yeah. So Secret Service were alerted by British intelligence that similar letters had also been sent to British officials. Dang. So the group that claimed credit was the Zionist Stern Gang. And they were like an Israel like activist Zionist gang. Okay. So at the time that nobody publicized this incident, it didn't come out until a biography of Truman was published in 1972. So then Harry S. Truman again in November of 1950 had two Puerto Rican activists attempt to kill him at the Blair house, which is where he was living when the white house was being renovated. Are all the presidents aware of these assassination attempts? Yes. They, they let the president know. I guess. It doesn't say they I don't not. think that I would ever take that job. Well, I mean... I mean, I wouldn't obviously... This one you it, would but... not know about because during the attack, a White House policeman, Leslie Caffelt, was mortally wounded in the attack, but he was able to shoot and kill one of the attackers. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's bullets going around. Yeah. When there's bullets going around, I think they know. Yeah. When there's bombs being mailed to them, the male people take care of it. So now we'll talk about... John F. Kennedy, not his successful attack, oh my God. but the one that was unsuccessful. So December 11th, 1960, Kennedy was vacationing in Palm Beach, Florida, and he was president-elect at this time. Yeah, I was going to say, he hadn't even gotten started yet. Yeah. So he was threatened by a 73-year-old former postal worker who hated Catholics. So oh. the 73-year-old planned to crash his vehicle into Kennedy's, but changed his mind after seeing Kennedy's wife and daughter. So this guy was arrested three days later, and he had dynamite in his car. Oh, my goodness. So he could have very well done it if he hadn't changed his mind at the last moment. Yeah. Well, thank goodness for sweet little baby faces. I know. And Jackie's face, which, you know, is just gorgeous. Yeah, of course. Next is Richard Nixon. There was only one attempt on Kennedy prior to the successful? Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So it says. So Richard Nixon in 1972. Okay. So Clint is on this. Because he started in Eisenhower. Yeah. Okay. Which nobody attempted to kill Eisenhower according Whoa. to my research. Okay. So this is April 13th, 1972. Arthur Bremer carried a firearm to an event intending to shoot Nixon, but there was such strong security, he decided not to. But a few weeks later, Bremer instead shot and seriously injured the governor of Alabama, George Wallace. Oh, I can't get the president. I'll just go for governor. Yeah. So then February 22nd, 1974, Samuel Bick, or Bayek, I'm not sure how you say it, he planned to kill Nixon by crashing a commercial plane into the White House. So he went as far as hijacking a plane. It was still on the ground. It wasn't in flight. Uh, he killed both pilots Whoa. and was shot by a police officer before he could get any further. Was he a pilot? Was he going to fly the plane himself? It didn't mention whether he was capable of flying the plane, but it did mention, I, I don't know that he was or he wasn't aware of commercial airplane protocol because someone pointed out to him that he wouldn't be able to get the plane to take off because the landing blocks were still in place on the wheels. Uh-huh. So, um, anyway, yeah, he was shot through the window of the cockpit by a police officer and killed. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then here's one a lot of people know about. 
So this was September 15th, 1975 at the California State Capitol in Sacramento. I think this is the one that I've heard about. Yeah, so this was Lynette Squeaky Fromm. No, this is not the one that I've heard about. This is Lynette Squeaky I mean, I've heard about this Yeah, one, this is yes. of Charles Manson fame. Yeah. So she drew a pistol on Ford. She had four bullets in the magazine, but none in the chamber. So the gun didn't fire. So she Why could have very Charles well have been successful. Why did Charles teach her how to load a gun properly? Because he was busy. Doing what? Free Acid? love. Acid. <laughs> I don't know. So Fromm was sentenced to life, but she ended up being released in August of 2009. Oh. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Huh. So then 17 days later. What is she doing now? I don't know. We should look her up on we Facebook. Look that up. <laughs> totally look her up on Facebook. Let's be your friend. So 17 days later, on September 22nd in San Francisco, Sarah Jane Moore fired a revolver at Ford from yes. 40 feet away. But a dude smacked her arm. Yeah. A bystander grabbed her arm. The bullet missed striking Ford. Instead, it hit a building wall. And the only thing that happened was a taxi driver was slightly injured. Okay. But except I listened to another podcast on this guy. That incident ruined his life. Destroyed his life. Not my problem. I know. But still, interesting. <laughs> I know it's not your point. You were a child. You were a babe. Were you born? I was born. Yeah. Ah. I was several months old. <laughs> but that incident destroyed his life. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that, but yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So then Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. He is the first president that I remember consciously being elected. For me, it was Ronald Reagan. See, we were like in first grade and they said we, we had a mock election in first grade. And in first grade, I voted for Carter. I remember going into, I think it was kindergarten and going, we have a new president. His name's Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Raymond Lee Harvey was arrested on May 5th, 1979 by Secret Service. He was carrying a starter pistol and it had blanks in it. And this was 10 minutes before Carter was supposed to be giving a speech in L.A. Mm. Uh, the interesting thing is that John Hinckley Jr. also came close to shooting Carter, but he lost his nerve. Okay, why do I know that name, John Hinckley Jr.? Ronald Reagan is why. <sighs> okay. So I didn't really... So John Hinckley Jr. assassination attempt, I didn't really... He's the one who's trying to impress Jody, um, Jody Foster, Jodie Foster, right? yeah. Okay. So I didn't really detail it because it's been done a lot, a lot, but I just did want to mention it that, you know, Reagan was hit, narrowly escaped being killed. But other people were killed, correct? Um, well, so... There was a Secret Service agent and a police officer that were wounded. And then the White House press secretary, James Brady. I was just going to say, isn't this the Brady one? Yes. So Brady lived until 2014. But when Brady died, his death was due to that original injury in uh -huh. 1981. But wasn't Hinckley released recently? Yeah. In 2016. But... Brady had just died in 14 due to the injuries that he inflicted. Well, but they found him not guilty by reason of insanity. Okay. Yeah. Because so. I was going to say, that should become manslaughter then at that point. But if he was insane, then yeah. That's, of course, I guess when you try to shoot someone to impress an actress who's never heard your name, reasonable bet that you're crazy. Yeah. So then George H.W. Bush. Okay. So this, this one's dad. This is, yeah, dad. The dad Bush. So this happened in April of 1993, 14 men. So he was already 
an ex-president by this time. Okay. Yes, because Clinton was president. Yeah. So 14 men believed to have been working for Saddam Hussein smuggled. Whoa. Mm-hmm. They smuggled bombs into Kuwait, planning to assassinate former President Bush. And this was like just three months after Bush had left office. Wow. So in retaliation, President Clinton, who was the current president, uh-huh. responded by launching a cruise missile attack on an Iraqi intelligence building in Baghdad. Wow. What do you think would happen if someone tried to do that today? Like, I just don't, I don't know. Like, I don't see that happening today. No. No. Although our ex-president, our most recent ex-president is still very beloved, but I don't see the response of a cruise missile. I don't see that happening in today's world. Interesting. I don't know though. I could be wrong. Interesting. Okay. So I have a few more. Oh, I thought we were all done. No, I have a few more. Sorry. I'm going to run through them fast. So okay. Bill Clinton. Okay. January 1994, Ronald Jean Barber, retired military, military officer, plotted to cl- kill Clinton while he was jogging. So Barber returned to Florida a week later without having fired any shots. Because he chickened out. Because President Clinton was in Russia. But <laughs> Barber was sentenced to five years in prison and he was released in 1998. Oh my God, that's a planner right there. Yeah. He does his research. So then September 12th, 1994, a guy, Frank Quarter, flew a stolen single engine Cessna into the White House. I think I remember that. Yeah, he ended up crashing into a tree though, not into the building. Um, apparently he had alcohol problems and he tried to hit the White House, but he didn't. He but was killed in the crash. What damage did he think he was going to do with, with a Cessna, Cessna to I know. a building? I know. So then October 29th, 1994, Francisco Duran fired at least 29 shots with a semi-auto rifle into the White House from a fence. He was thinking that Clinton was one of the people standing around in dark suits, but Clinton was inside. So three tourists tackled Duran before he could injure anyone. I do remember that, but 29 shots. Uh-huh. And they found a suicide note in his pocket, so. But that's not a legal magazine, right? That can't be. I don't, it didn't say, you know, I don't know if he reloaded. It doesn't say that, but. Dang. Yeah. So then 1996, Clinton's motorcade was rerouted. It was, They were in Manila, Philippines, and they were rerouted the motorcade before it was about to drive over a bridge because secret service officers had found out that there was an attack planned on the bridge. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they later discovered a bomb under the bridge. I'm just going to do this. Yeah. You finished. Not a good drink, but I still finished. You finished your Clint. (laughs) So then the final. Don't laugh. You finished yours too. I did. So the final attempt that we know about on Clinton was October of 2018. Uh-huh. There was a pipe bomb that was addressed to Hillary, which to me isn't really an attempt on Bill. Right. However, it was sent to their house. So I guess you're not supposed to do that either. Yeah, I would not. <laughs> um, I don't know that I would actually put a pipe bomb in the mail. Um, yeah, no, probably not going to do So George W. Bush. So February... Okay, so. Yeah. February 7th, 2001... George W. was in the White House, and Robert Pickett was standing outside the perimeter. He shot a number of shots from his weapon in the direction of the White House. That's the one I remember then. Yeah, this happened about a month after President George W. took office. Okay. 
then May of 2005. I mean, I would remember the other one too, but it's not. May of 2005, President Bush was giving a speech in Georgia, like the country of Georgia, not the state. (laughs) And someone threw a live grenade toward the podium. The grenade had had the pin pulled, but it didn't explode because there was a handkerchief wrapped tightly around it and it prevented the lever from detaching. Oh my God, people are not smart. Yeah. So now Barack Obama. There was assassination attempts on Barack Obama. More than one. Oh my goodness. So April of 2009, there was a plot to assassinate Obama. And this happened in Turkey after, and it was discovered after um, a man of Syrian origin carried forged press credentials and he later confessed of his plan to kill Obama with a knife. Okay, so that was going to be my question, was all these ones that are on foreign soil, is it the um, citizens of the country that he is visiting attempting to assassinate the president or is it Americans going there? So that most, one you answered right there. Yeah, most often it has not been Americans, but sometimes it's other country other foreigners from another foreign country that go to there. I don't think that I, I mean, call me self-centered, but I don't know that I would care enough about the president of another nation to go to another nation and assassinate them. Because you don't live in a country other than the United States. Like we're a world superpower. I guess. And also I'm not crazy. Yeah, that too. That I know of. November, 2011. Big dog is whining. A guy, Oscar Ramiro Ortega Hernandez, hit the White House with several rounds fired from a semi-automatic rifle. Nobody. Why was a- are they still letting people with guns get that close to the White House? Well, you can shoot a gun a mile away. You can't shoot a gun a mile away. But it broke they- a window, but nobody was injured. Okay, so April of 2013, there was another attempt made when a letter that was laced with ricin was sent to President Obama. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And then 2018, a package that contained a pipe bomb was sent to former President Obama at his home in Washington, D.C., and it was intercepted before it got to him by the Secret Service. So that's just recently, and again with the pipe bombs in the mail. Yeah. Because that's not going to get found out. I mean, they're not going to x-ray your mail or, you know, see that. No. Are you going to play The Floor's Lava again? Well, they probably do x Yeah, that was sarcasm. Yeah. I'm I'm sarcasm. 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 I can't even say it right anymore. And apparently I don't get sarcasm today. (laughs) You can't say it and I don't get it. (laughs) Okay, Donald Trump. Oh my God. Donald Trump. June of 2016, Uh a British national with a history of mental illness tried to seize a police officer's pistol at a Trump Valley... Trump rally in Las Vegas. Uh, during this time, he was the Republican nominee. He wasn't the president yet. Because that's going to be successful. I'm going to take a Cubs gun. But he's Everybody been gets away with planning that. this for over a year. But luckily, the pistol was caught in the holster. Well, I have a question. If he's planning it for over a year, why does he just grab a cop's gun? Why doesn't he bring his own? Did you hear the history of mental illness part? Yes, like, he that's probably true. wasn't um, well with smart. it. Yeah. I don't know if he was smart or not, but he wasn't well with the long term yeah. plans. Yeah. So then November of 2017, a man that was affiliated with the Islamic State of Iraq was arrested in the Philippines for attempting to assassinate President Trump during a summit, but they didn't really say how or why. Finally, in 2018, again, just like the final attempt on um, Obama, 
William Clyde Allen III, a U.S. Navy veteran, sent a letter containing castor beans to President Trump. What are castor beans? Castor beans contain, I believe it's ricin or something that can make ricin, but it didn't actually reach him. And also, you castor beans themselves aren't the problem. It's like, you know, once you, you have distill... To, yeah. yeah. So you have to do something with them. Yeah. So he just thought, I'm going to send you these beans and you're going to touch them and die? Yeah. Oh. So... <laughs> Those are all the attempts I didn't know about. Well, some of them we all knew about. Yeah, some of them. A lot of them I didn't know about. I'm amazed at how many people are um, want to do something as large as assassinate the president, but yet don't make the proper. Not that there are proper, but don't make any sort of plan except for yeah. like I'm gonna kill him or do any research. Like, is he in the country, or do rice and beans actually kill people? Or, like, what's worked in the past? <laughs> oh, that's hot. That's funny. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, as I said before, I'm not a presidential scholar. No, absolutely not. Yeah. I like the fact that some of those that you were talking about, though, Clint, the guy whose drink we drank, Clint was, was present. Part of it. Yes. Yeah, he was involved in that. So I didn't like the Clint, but I do like the Clint. The Clint, yes. The man. Thank you for your service. And I really like Mike Rowe. I'm glad. I like his stance. Yeah, yeah, just all of his things. I like talking about the, you know, we need kid, we need people to go into service industries as the wife of a person who builds stuff. We need people to build stuff. Well, I didn't like his dirty job show because it's gross, but I do like his um, stance on things. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So other than that, and you're not being a... Um, presidential scholar. scholar and me not being a um also what did presidential I talk about? scholar also presidential <laughs> scholar basically um, what we're trying to say is <laughs> we're not experts we're just drunks hey so if you like us you can always let us know uh rate review any podcast catcher or whatever you call them that you listen to us on leave us a rating and a review it would really help yeah, and if you have any comments or suggestions, email oh. us at crimeandtimeotr at gmail.com. Cocktail suggestions. Send us cocktail suggestions. That would be fun. Yeah, we've been, get, we've been getting a lot, and we love them, but keep them coming. Yeah. Another way to get a hold of us at for Twitter is at Time and Crime. Yeah, Instagram, we're also at Crime and Time. And check out our Facebook page. We always post little hints of the cocktail that's coming up. And just fun little things. And that is Crime and Time on the Rocks or at Crime and Time OTR. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know. Cheers. Thank you for listening.